The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Designing the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place because it's always true. What is the buzz on the street? Well, I have a very interesting quote from Michael Leboeuf. I'll pronounce it that way, the French way. He's an internationally published author and professional speaker. If you've never heard of him, well, you should. His eight books have sold almost two million copies. They were translated into more than 12 languages and adapted to 12, I'm sorry, 17 audio and video programs. He's appeared on every major news show. He was a professor of management at the University of New Orleans, retired at age 47. Woohoo! And his books include How to Win Customers and Keep Them for Life, The Millionaire in You, Working Smart, The Greatest Management Principle of All, and The Boggleheads Guide to Investing. What is the quote I selected from the book? A satisfi- satisfied customer is the best business strategy of all. Just let that sink in for a second. So what are we talking about today? The pressure on companies to create compellingly delightful customer experiences. Come on, I know you've heard that phrase before. You want to delight your customers. It is so fierce, this competition, that it is being elevated to a major topic in the C-suite, going all the way up the chain to the top of many, many companies. Is it that case in yours? One of the strategies they're focusing on is personalization. You might think of it as being in the moment with the prospect, with the customer, with anybody you want and hope who will do business with you and become a loyal longtime customer. So let's look at a little bit of what we have today in terms of customer experience, but let's project into the future because after all, the title of this series is Designing the Future with Game Changers Radio. So we're going to look at what will the customer experience look like tomorrow and many, many tomorrows as companies like yours strive to attract and nurture loyal customers while you're keeping your competitors at bay across what we all can say safely are increasingly blurred industry lines. Come on, newcomers are coming in, bouncing into all kinds of niches that you thought might be yours. Maybe you're one of those newcomers. The lines are definitely blurred. So let's see. I have three panelists today. We're still trying to get one. I'm waiting for a note here for from my engineer whether we have it, but I'm going to read who all three panelists are, and then we'll see what we can do here. Andreas Hauser is joining us today. He's a senior vice president of the Design and Co-Innovation Center at SAP. Joining him on the panel is, oh, he's here. Good. Maricel Kabahug, and yes. she'll pronounce her name authentically in a few minutes. Maricel is SAP's global head of design, UX, and SAP Fiori product management, a rounding out 
about the panel is one of the sponsors of this series, Jennifer Ford, Executive Director for the North American Pre-Sales Design Thinking Team at SAP. So let's circle around to Andreas, and he has sent me a very interesting quote. We've heard this before, but it's so perfect for our topic today. And a topic, of course, is designing the future of customer experience, if you didn't get that already. Andrea sent the following quote from Steve Jobs. You've got to start with the customer experience and work back toward the technology, not the other way around. The customer, not technology, must be the core of your strategy. Andreas Hauser, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Thank you. I'm very, very, very good. I really like the quote because um, we see, especially in IT industry and software organizations, we talk a lot about technology. Um, But if people aren't able to use the technology, then uh, um, we have a challenge. That means you have to start with the people who use the solution, the consumers, the customers, and the users. Therefore, I like the quote so much. Andreas, tell me something. Do you think that most companies are not heeding this great advice from Steve Jobs? Do you think, which he he actually said this in 1997, I understand. Do you think that companies are saying, oh, we've got this cool technology and we're going to go out there and say, everybody, look at us. We're innovative and we're smart and we can help you do this and that. And they're forgetting the people part. Do you think that's happening a lot in, in any industry or in a lot of industries? It is happening. We see this very often. And uh, um, many of our customer projects, we see this happening. The reason for that is very often that companies grow, get bigger and bigger, um, and their organizational challenges to connect to the real people. Um, yeah, I see. I see definitely happening a lot. Interesting. I'm just going to read a little bit from Steve Jobs' bio, and I think this will underscore something. Uh, Shortly after his death, and and he passed away the day we started Game Changers Radio, October 5th, 2011. Shortly after his death, Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs' official biographer, described him as a creative entrepreneur whose passion for perfection and ferocious drive revolutionized six industries. Now, listen for the word I'm looking for, a keyword: personal computers, animated movies, music, phones, tablet computing, and digital. Publishing, But the first item on the list, Andreas, was personal computers. Personal meaning people, meaning person, meaning for each of us. So personal, I guess the way he described it is really he was designing for the customer experience. Can we agree on that, Andreas? Absolutely. It is all about people. And uh, um, only if people see a value in solutions and technology, it is successful. That's what we always have to put in the center of all our thoughts. Thank you very much, Andreas, for joining us. I'm going to tweet that quote in a moment, and now let's bring on our second panelist. Very happy to welcome a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. She's Maricel Kabahug, and she will do the official pronunciation of her name in a minute. Maricel has sent us a very interesting, very interesting quote, but you have to listen carefully, from Leonardo da Vinci. His full name was Leonardo di Ser Piero da Vinci, commonly known as Leonardo, just Leonardo. He wanted to be a one-name wonder. He was an Italian polymath whose interests included invention, painting, sculpting, 
architecture, science, music, mathematics, engineering, I'm not done, engineering, literature, anatomy, geology, astronomy, botany, writing, history, and cartography. He's been called the father of paleontology, ichnology, and architecture, and is considered one of the greatest painters of all time. He's also called the universal genius or the renaissance man, an individual of unquenchable curiosity. I think that's what companies need to be today, unquenchably curious. And here's the quote Marcel has selected. I have been impressed with the urgency of doing. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Being willing is not enough. We must do. Marcel, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thank you very much, Bonnie. Very happy to be here. And uh, incidentally, um, Leonardo did not even have a formal education, so he is really amazing. So I've learned from many great people, but this one quote stayed with me and have guided me not just in my professional life, but also in my personal life. I see evidence of this now in how my daughter, 22-year-old daughter, lives her life as well. And I'd like to believe I have something to do with that. The best teacher in life, they say, is experience. I couldn't agree more. You achieve by doing. Nothing could be truer in leadership and in design. In leadership, you're expected to make decisions, paint a vision, set the course, always without the complete information at hand. But if you do not act, you do not take the first step towards a chosen path, you will never reach your destination. If you wait too long, you might no longer have a seat at the table. Part of doing is also the self-awareness and integrity to know when you're wrong and when to course correct. In design, doing, acting, making is what it's all about. Whether it's a design prototype or a coded prototype, we must craft and make tangible our ideas and learnings. We've proven time and again that we can come to an understanding through insights, buy-in, only when our users and our stakeholders can touch and see our concepts or our ideas. One of the values we live by in my team is this. We have a bias for action. Every moment is the perfect moment. We don't wait. We make things happen. This is even more true now as we experience the recent technology advances that has impact on user experience. Breakthroughs in hardware, machine learning, natural language processing, availability of big data. We might not know all the answers yet, but we must start to learn to quickly prototype and validate to define how these technologies might augment human capabilities. And thank you for pronouncing the, the name very well. <laughs> Tell me, how do you pronounce it? What's the official, the authentic way? It's Kabahug. Kabahug. Okay. I, I'll go with the American pronunciation. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Thank you. Nice to meet you. And uh, thank you for relating. You, you did something wonderful there, Maricel. You related the quote not only to work and to the customer experience, but personally. And I, I like that a lot. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's turn to our third panelist, welcoming Jennifer Ford. This is her series. She co-sponsors Designing the Future with Game Changers with her colleague, Charlotte Bowie. And I know Charlotte is listening because Charlotte is tweeting. Hello, Charlotte. She's tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, and I appreciate it because I'm kind of busy here, Charlotte, so I will retweet your tweets, and thank you for that. Jennifer has selected a quote from Thomas Jefferson, an American founding father who is the principal author of the Declaration of Independence back in 1776. He was elected the second vice president of the U.S., serving under John Adams, and in 1800, he was elected the third president of the U.S. Very, very interesting. Here is the quote. The wise know their weakness too well to assume infallibility, 
and he who knows most knows best how little he knows. I love the quote. Jennifer Ford, welcome. How are you? I am great. How are you, Bonnie? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying your panelists you, you and Charlotte have selected for today's show. So, Jennifer, talk to me about Thomas Jefferson. Are you a big fan? Do you have any uh, collected, collected works of his, or did you just happen to come across the quote? No, I, I am a big fan of Thomas Jefferson. I, uh, I don't uh, necessarily have any of his collected works, but I, uh, I find that a lot of the things that, uh, that he said then are still very true today and uh, very true from the perspective of, you know, how do you, how do you know what somebody else wants unless you're willing to not assume that you understand everything and, uh, and really, you know, do the research, understand by watching, you know, understand by asking questions, you know, be curious, um, care. I look at um, the whole idea of the customer experience, and the customer experience is, is first of all, caring about what your customer wants. It's, it's not just about what you want to put out there, but is this going to make them somehow better? Is this going to make them feel valuable? And is it going to keep them coming back? And the only way you can know that is by not assuming and asking and watching and listening. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, question, how often and how much are you supposed to ask your customer? What are you supposed to go? Just just a little uh, maybe strategy or tactical insight from you. I know we'll be talking about this a lot during the rest of the show, especially when we get to the roundtable in a few minutes. But is a company supposed to have such a good relationship that you can literally call up a customer and say, hey, we just changed our logo. What do you think? Is it resonating you with you? Or, hey, how are our customer service people doing? Or, hey, we've got this new chatbot. We spend a lot of time training this chatbot. Uh, let's call the chatbot Jenny. I'm, I'm going to name one in your honor, Jennifer. Jenny. And Jenny's I love it. Train. Thank you. I'm, I'm very honored. Charlotte, we have to tweet about that. We have a new chatbot named Jenny. J-E-N-N-I, please. And uh, we trained this chatbot with machine learning and with artificial intelligence and and Jenny is smart and all-knowing and she will take good care of you. How do you feel about that, Bob, our loyal customer? How deep and how often do you need to go there to ask Bob whether it's resonating with him and whether he's happy? Jennifer, any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I I do think that it it is possible and and we do this uh, ourselves, um, asking your customer, you know, what is it what is it that you like about our experience? What is it that um, you find most compelling? What brings you back time and time again? You know, if we were to do this. Um, but I also think, you know, there are ways to be able to understand your customers without having to, uh, to annoy them all the time. You know, there, there are ways to understand uh, just by watching. You know, does, what, what do people do when they interact? You know, how do they, how do they first come upon it? Um, I think that it's, it's important for companies especially to look at how people interact without always having to be so frontal about it. Um, because what we've found too in a lot of cases, um, asking somebody and expecting them to give me an answer is, is not necessarily always effective as me just watching them and seeing what they do. Um, you know, we, we play this game all the time. I'll tell you what it is that I'm going to do, and then I'm just going to do it and, and see if what I said actually matches up to the action that I took. And what we find more often than not 
is it's not the same. You leave things out um, or you, you expand upon things that you maybe wish to do, uh, but it's, it's not really what you do. So it, it's important to, to go both ways. Thank you very much. And I was being a little bit, not facetious, but I was uh, taunting you a little bit to see if that's what you should do. I was saying, as I was saying that to you, Jennifer, I was saying, poor Bob. She's going to call him almost every day. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Go away, Jennifer. Just do your job and I'll let you know. The danger in that, Jennifer, though, is is social media. We know he who yells loudest on Yelp and Twitter and, and uh, Pinterest and, oh, I don't know, Snapchat, wherever people are today in LinkedIn is going to be heard by sometimes massive volumes of people. And if they're not happy, but we'll, we'll talk about that later, about the amplification of the customer's experience and their opinion. Everybody has a voice today. So thank you for that. Let's circle back to Andreas Hauser. I'm going to ask you a couple of personal questions, Andreas, but you've been on before and you know the drill. First of all, where are you calling from in general, not the Google coordinates of your roof? And we'd like to know, what are you drinking today or what will you be drinking later that makes you smile? Andreas Hauser, what do you think? Hey, I'm currently in a beautiful city, Heidelberg, in Germany, and I'm sitting in one of our SAP houses, one of our creative spaces, in our Sherlock Holmes room. And uh, the room really looks like putting you back into the century of uh, Sherlock Holmes. And uh, I'm not smoking uh, a pipe, but I'm drinking uh, tea <laughs> in the room currently. <laughs> what kind of tea? That oh, was we funny. Have what? We, we, we have a pipe lay, uh, uh, on, the, uh, um, on the table just for decoration, but uh, I still drink tea. And tell me what kind of tea. What, what kind of tea makes you smile, Andreas? Uh, I drink ginger tea. I really like it. Oh, okay. Sounds very interesting. I think it has a little bit of a, a spice to it, a little bit of a spunk, right? Yeah, kind of right. leaves, yeah, leaves right. a, a memory on your taste buds. Yes, very, very interesting. Thank you very much. And let's go to Maricel Kabahag. Maricel, where are you calling from? I think you're in some place. Absolutely fascinating right now, rumor has it. And what are you drinking or what do you plan to drink later? In And what time is it there, Maricel? It is 4.19, and I'm in the beautiful city of Barcelona. Um, I have a nice um, hotel room here overlooking the city and the um, and the and the and the Mediterranean. So I, I'm I'm in a good spot here. I am not drinking currently anything at the moment, but I have a chilled bottle brewing all waiting for me, and I plan to pop the bottle right after this. <laughs> now tell us why you're in Barcelona. Everybody wants to know. Other than wow, she has good vacation plans. What are you doing in Barcelona, Maricel? <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm here for the uh, Mobile World Congress, and after four hectic days at that event, I need um, a glass or two. I don't blame you. I think you certainly deserve it. I've been looking at some of the uh, some of the videos from some of our SAP colleagues, and, and it looks like a great conference. So thank you for taking the time out of your very busy day, Maricel. And let's go to Jennifer Ford. Where art thou, and what art thou drinking to get to get this a little bit more formal here? Well, I am in San Antonio, Texas, and so it is. Uh, it's pretty warm, which is different than uh, than when I'm normally home in Detroit. Um, but I still, uh, I'm still looking forward to enjoying some of my uh, Detroit Distillery Butcher's Cut bourbon. So that will help the day move a, a little bit further along once we get done with our workshop today. Wow. And what kind of an event are you at? Is it, is it an internal workshop? You're working with customers? Just give us a little information. 
working with customers. So we've been here since Monday, and uh, we will be finishing up tomorrow afternoon. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great week and uh, filled with uh, a lot of interesting insights and uh, a lot of laughter, too. Well, laughter always does make the day go faster, and it does make people remember you. Thank you very much. We're speaking today with Andreas Hauser in Heidelberg, Maricel Cabahug in Barcelona, and Jennifer Ford in Texas, did you say, Jennifer? I did. Yes. San Antonio. San Antonio. My, I'm looking at so many things here. I'm trying to keep track. Charlotte will keep me on track. Yes, thank you, Charlotte. So we're talking about designing the future of customer experience. Now, your company may be in the middle of trying to convert or transform the customer experience, but you're not sure what to do with it. You don't know really what's wrong. You don't know where to take it. You don't know what will delight your customers today. Do you even know the demographics, who your major customer is, who your target audience is? These all come into play. We're going to get a lot of great insights here from our panel today. They all know what they're talking about. Andreas Hauser, Marisol Kabahug, Jennifer Ford, they're all waiting to give us more information in our roundtable, so we're going to give them a brief pause to take a sip of something. I'm going to take a break and give myself a sip of my cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because the sun is shining here in New York and the wind was really whacking around. Overnight, no, I don't get emotional about the wind, but it was really, really noisy. Worked till 2 in the morning setting up radio shows for today, and it was really windy, but it's all calmed down here. So I'm just going to say to our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, whatever you're doing. There's so much more. Everybody needs to know about customer experience. Where is it going? Where do you need to take yours? So we'll ask our engineer, Kevin, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When you discuss the future design of any topic, there is one word always present. Connected. As technology opens up the possibility of connection, we need to work together to ensure the ensuing change delivers forward progress to the people involved. Leaders designing a connected future will add another word to the narrative of disruption and innovation, inclusion. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the purposeful design of the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Designing the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Designing the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to designing the future with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. Interesting. Jennifer, before we dive into the roundtable, I have a question for you. You and Charlotte designed this series. You've been working with me for several months on it, and I think this is our third episode of this season. My question is, is that uh, kind of a conundrum or rhetorical or impossible, designing the future? What do you think? Because some people say, yes, we can make all kinds of plans, but you know what that, there's a quote about uh, God, God, acts while man man plans and God laughs. So not to wax biblical or anything like that. But Jennifer, designing the future, how, how possible do you think that is? 
You know, uh, I, we did laugh about that a little bit. Um, I think that it, it falls more along the lines of you have to plan at least a little bit because without a plan, then you're, you're just accepting whatever fate hands you. And so, you know, without, uh, without conscious effort, um, you don't know how far you can actually go. So we, uh, we thought that even though sometimes it might be folly, um, you still have to, uh, to make the attempt. So we thought we would be brave in the attempt. I appreciate that. Yes. And, and what do they say? The best way to predict the future is to create it. I think that's a, uh, it, it's a Peter Drucker quote. It may not actually be by him, but, but he's the one who is mostly receiving that attribution. Thank you. I just wanted to ask you because I don't think I asked you and Charlotte that when we started the series. So now we're going to start our roundtable in earnest. And I'm looking at Andreas Hauser's discussion statements he sent me before the show. We have lots of great topics here. I alluded to something when we just before we went to break, Andrea said, it looks like this is a hot topic for you. The question on the table is, who is the customer? And Andrea says, many people say they talk to the customer, in quotes, but to whom did they actually talk? If you ask people at software or consulting companies this question, you often get the answer. We talk to the IT people. We talk to the business people. We talk to the management. But who talks to their end users and their customers or consumers? So let's talk. Andreas, tell us, define how does a company know who their customer is? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it's a really great start because many people talk about the customer and uh, I see this really day by day happening. Um, and uh, I would like to make a, a very concrete example. If you look at Uber, most people use Uber. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the, the Uber has a nice user interface, amazing. Yeah? But what makes, for me personally, the difference that at the end of the ride, you keep your mobile phone in the pocket, you step out of the car, you need to take care, don't need to take care about how much tip to give, you get automatically the bill. That's, for me, an amazing experience. And only if you know what are the motivational factors of the people, then you can design the right solution. Therefore, I think uh, it's not just about providing a technical solution, it's understanding what are the desires and the needs of the people who are going to use the solution at the end. And uh, if you talk about the customer, now when we talk about the customer, it's have to be companies. But um, if you take the uh, term customer also in their case, it's sometimes their consumer. I mean, the, our customers, customers. And I think it's really important um, if you design or develop a solution to involve the real people in that process who finally are, are going to use the solution. Thank you, Andreas. Very interesting. Uh, this is a wide-open topic. Maricel Kabah, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. To whom are you speaking? How do you know and how do you get to the right person? Maricel, thoughts, please? That's not very easy to do that, especially um, when we're, we're talking to customers from big companies, but I cannot stress enough um, how important it is to really um, um, or talk or work with the users who are actually going to use your solution. And it's not even just enough to talk to an actual user because there are different levels of expertise um, when it comes to a user group, right? So you have your novice user or your occasional user, and then there's one who actually is an expert when it comes to um, the solution. And um, I would, um, I would, in best practices, that you work with each one of them, um, each uh, of the different um, skill levels, and maybe 
um, even uh, propose a solution that works um, um, for each one. So you might end up in um, in the one hand um, with um, with multiple solutions um, targeting the right um, kind of user and the, the right level of expertise. Thank you very much. Jennifer, thoughts on this? How do you get to that customer, the one you really need to talk to, that Bob I was mentioning in my in my uh, scenario in the beginning? What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, it seems like it should be so simple. Um, it, it makes the most sense, but I am always fascinated by uh, the reluctance of some of our customers to want to bring their customers into a workshop or to a setting, you know, when they, they have to ask the customer questions. Um, it, they feel vulnerable. Um, they feel that in a lot of cases, on the one hand, uh, their customer expects them to understand them and, and to already know what they need. Um, but then again, on the other side, oftentimes they're afraid of how much the customer might want them to change. And, and can they actually change that much to accommodate what the customer is really asking for? And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always a bit of a conundrum, but we do our best to, you know, help them through that and to help them, you know, set appropriate expectations that this is an iterative process. You know, you don't have to promise somebody the world from the, the very mm-hmm. beginning. And uh, as long as you are listening and you are actually executing to what it is they tell you that they want, then you, you have a chance of being successful, and they'll come along for the ride. Um, but you can't ignore them, and you can't leave them, leave them outside. Interesting. Uh, Jennifer, I used to work for a big, uh, we'll just say a, a telephone instrument company that is not doing very well, but there's there's actually a uh, a Facebook page of those of us who used to work. It starts with an N, ends with an A. They had beautiful phones, and they were manufacturing all over the world. Never did that well in U.S., though. And our our phrase, I was in the marketing area uh, for a, a suite, an IntelliSync suite. That'll give you a clue. And the phrase we used to use is, under promise and over deliver. Does that still hold true right. today, Jennifer? Is that still? I don't hear it anymore. Does anybody say that? You know, uh, they do. They do in um, in when we are meeting with them, and and you know we hear it a lot. With it's an aspiration. <laughs> it really is. Um, but I also think too. I think Andreas. You know, when he was speaking, companies are afraid also that. Um, what they are promising is, is maybe not the right thing or that somebody else is going to promise something better. And, you know, the way things are moving so fast, it, it's very difficult uh, for them to, to not promise the world. But it, not being able to deliver is, uh, is a killer. Yeah, absolutely. I want to circle back to Andreas Hauser, who started this good topic. Andreas, any thoughts on what Maricel and uh, Jennifer just added to your topic before we move on? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, um, it sounds also simple, but reality is it is not. And especially if you look at large organizations and uh, I would say situation SAP was in and why Hasso Blattner, for example, 2004 said we go for design thinking now at SAP. And I tell you the reason for that is that it remembered him how he started the company sitting at the customer with the users programming. And they're very working very iteratively. And now if SAP grew 
to a large, large company. And what happened, now roles get specialized. Um, you offshore certain tasks. You have people sitting all over the world. And just getting everybody who's responsible for developing a delivering product ideally into one room and working with the customer and the consumer in an iterative way is becoming very difficult. And he, the reason why he already more than 12 or 13 years ago said SAP needs to change the way how to interact with customers is because it remembered him about the simple thing, how they started, and as a company, we unlearned it. And therefore, many companies are in the situation with the specialization of the skills, with globalization, and work, and especially also because the world is moving so fast that you need to change the way how you work. And this is sometimes very difficult if you are extremely successful as a corporation. How do you change that? I just want to add this aspect to the conversation also. Thank you very much. Uh, you know what I'm thinking while we were all speaking here, uh, Andreas and Maricel and Jennifer, I was thinking lyrics from an old song were flooding into my mind. You've heard of the term earworm. And the lyrics are from Barbara Streisand's The Way We Were, which was also a movie. And let me just read this. This this may be uh, very telling, but Jennifer, tell me if this resonates. Can it be that it was all so simple then? Or is time rewritten every line? If we had the chance to do it all again, tell me, would we, could we? Does this apply to customer experience today? that when, when, when the world wasn't global and we didn't have those blurred lines of industry crossover and we didn't have newcomers. I think Andreas mentioned Uber. Come on, they just shook up the taxi industry, the taxi medallions here in New York. The value went from $2.5 million to barely 500,000 people are crying. Legacy estates are, are, are in, the, in the, I won't even say where, they're down the tubes. And, and so it was simple back years ago when you knew who your customer was, didn't you, Jennifer? You knew. You could pick up the phone and call them. Today, they're all over the map, yes? Yeah, it is. They're all over the map, um, but their expectations are also exceedingly difficult um, without companies being um, on the cutting edge, uh, on the cutting edge of, of understanding them, on the cutting edge of using, you know, new technology in order to delight them when and where they want to be delighted, um, of, of, of providing technology that basically um, allows them to not even really engage. Um, you know, because some people, they, they don't want to be necessarily um, a part of the brand. Some people do. Some people sign on for it. Others, you know, just want to uh, to do what they want to do and then go on their way. And so, you know, the the companies today have to be all things to all people, where they want to uh, engage with them, how they want to engage with them, you know, using the most simple technologies, but also technologies that um, make it fun to engage. So you're seeing, you know, the use of virtual reality now within retail, um, being able to, uh, you know, take people through a store and understand who's there, what their needs are, you know, point things out to them. Um, it's, it's a very different experience, I think, that we're going to see in the future. And, uh, and companies are just trying to wrap their heads around how they compete and what that means to them. 
Exactly, and it was all so simple then if you started a company, <laughs> yep. I believe in, even 10 or 15 years ago. It was so different. Maricel, I'm looking at your notes. I know you want to talk about UIs, user interfaces, and AI, digital assistance. So let me pick up a couple of topics here from your notes, and I'll let you take it wherever you want to go. Maricel Cabahug told me the following. Market research shows that software usage is going away from apps and toward conversational UIs. Let me add to that. She also said an intelligent digital assistant allows the user to communicate with it using natural language. And the meaning of AI is constantly evolving. A lot of good stuff there. Marcel, why don't you expand this, any or all of this, and then we will invite Jennifer and Andreas into the conversation. Go ahead, Marcel. Okay, so we are at the point where there's an app for everything, and we see this, right? And everything is run by an app. We interact with an ecosystem of digital things in our homes, our cars, our work, and even the things we wear. We see a proliferation of these apps in the App Store and also in the catalogs of apps that are available to us from work and often um, even multiple catalogs from work. Um, the task of finding the right app for the right purpose at the right time is overwhelming. Um, worse, each of these apps have their own user interface, and I don't know about you, but as a frequent, as a frequent traveler, I don't find it amusing to learn how to interact with each rental car, especially when I'm in an unfamiliar city. So in, in Germany, for example, finding how to change the language of, um, um, you know, to English, you know, from German to English, um, when you don't understand or I don't understand the icons and the labels is, is very frustrating. Um, I believe that the di digital world has become quite complex because of two things. App development is now very easy or relatively easy. So we see a proliferation of apps, most of which are great and useful if you can find them. And second, with IoT, things have digital twins, and these things have their own proprietary interfaces. So graphical user interfaces reach its limit. The GUI is no longer sufficient for users to manage your ecosystems of apps and things. We need new ways of interaction to help um, reduce the cognitive load um, as our digital world becomes increasingly complex and diversified. For me, conversational UX is emerging as the new UI paradigm for the digital world. Conversational UI concepts have been around since the 1950s, but thanks to the advancement in technology as early as 2012, um, particularly in chip processing, natural language processing, machine learning, and now the availability of big data, the concepts of the past are now becoming reality. Conversational UI enables us to focus on the task at hand and not to be bothered with which app to launch to get the information we need or to perform our task. It helps us to eliminate the complexity of learning how each of our apps and things work. Instead, we communicate with, for example, a digital assistant or a chatbot using our natural language. Conversational UI supports how we work, and this is why I believe that this would be the next big thing. Because in the modern world, um, conversational UI supports us um, across devices or channels. It's interrupt-driven and collaborative, and this is how um, our kids coming out of school are now working, and this is how we're learning how to work as well as people, uh, as professionals in the industry. Thank you very much, Maricel. A lot of great information there. Jennifer Ford, love to have you chime in on any or all of what Maricel just shared. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think the opportunities are really interesting. 
um, especially when you look at um, older people, younger people, um, you know, people that don't have the dexterity any longer to be able to, you know, use a phone or, you know, handle traditional keyboards. It's, it's, you know, what are the, the great opportunities for them to still stay engaged, you know, to be able to have that experience, you know, that, that they see other people having and to be able to still communicate, to be able to participate, um, you know, I just, I think that uh, there are so many opportunities out there that uh, this is going to open up for, for people that we hadn't, hadn't even necessarily thought about from the very beginning. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Let's go to Andreas Hauser around the other side of the table. Andreas, what do you think? Yeah, I would like to comment a little bit on, on artificial intelligence. I think some people are frightening frightened a little bit about that. There's somebody artificially intelligent and controlling me or something like that. Um, I think we need to look at it from a different angle. Now, if you look at the example of Maricel, how about if you now come to Germany, if you're English speaking, automatically in the car, you get the right language. You don't need to do this. Um, um, I think there is so much technically possible already to make the customer and the consumer experience just smoother and people will be excited. And now we're coming back to the topic of why is customer experience so important is mm-hmm. it's not only a differentiator, but poor customer experience can truly damage your brand. I mean, now in the world of cloud and everything available online, the consumer can easily decide just with one click to go somewhere else. Um, therefore, I just want to put the different perspectives a little bit together. Absolutely. And, and isn't that really the bottom line, Andreas? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Isn't that really the bottom line of what we're talking about? It's not just to say our customers are delighted. It's we want to have a brand that makes them feel good, that makes them feel listened to and cared about, that we are doing what they need. We're giving meaning or ease to their lifestyle. We're helping them, as Maricel mentioned, all of the apps. My goodness, they're all over the place. And if, if you don't know the app, it, it's too complex. It's frustrating. Your experience is just tanked at that point. So l- let me just go around the table for a second before I pick up some topics from Jennifer Ford. Uh, Maricel, do you believe, do you agree? We're really talking about the value of your brand. If you don't embrace the idea of a positive and quote-unquote delightful, which means lots of different things to lots of different people, lots of different industries and parts of the world, that your brand could be at risk. Maricel, what are your thoughts about brand? Absolutely. So the big battle right now is is to fight for um, adoption and and to keep those customers coming back, right? Um, And um, the, the funny thing about the technology nowadays, even if People don't truly understand the technology. They expect um, um, what Gartner calls hyper-personalization, right? It has to work for me. And me personally, um, it, we go beyond the concept of roles um, to the individual itself. And this is what I believe we have an opportunity um, to uh, finally um, maybe solve um, using the new technologies that we have now just mentioned. Um, this is the new battle um, when we're talking about digital assistance, for example. It's not enough to just be able to convert, but rather also personalize the digital assistant and have that um, digital assistant adapt to the user just like the user would adapt um, to another um, a human. Thank you very much. And Jennifer, thoughts about the value of brand regarding the value of your customer experience. What do you think? 
I do think it matters, um, you know, especially when you look at, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the younger consumers, uh, their, their perception and perspective of a brand is directly attributable to how close or how personal that brand understands them. So I think that, um, you know, the, the value is, is directly associated to, you know, whether or not people, people believe in what you're selling and believe in who you say you are. So I, I think that that has a lot to do with it because who they see those brands as being is, uh, is associated with how they treat them and what their customer experience is. Thank you very much. And Jennifer, while I have you, let's look at your notes. It's time for us to pick up one of your topics for the roundtable. Um, interesting, interesting. I'm going to read a couple of statements like I did for Maricel and have you pick what you like to talk about or maybe blend them all together. First of all, you're saying the concept of customer experience to me, that's Jennifer Ford speaking, is a little like the question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Let me read one more. She says, customer experience is evolving beyond a personalized, consistent user experience to with a brand to actual entertainment through new technologies like virtual reality. Let's go into the entertainment mode. I like that one. Jennifer, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I do. I find it really interesting. I, you know, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not a shopper myself. Um, I do uh, appreciate what the Internet has brought to us. In, uh, in the ability to, to shop from the comfort of my pajamas on the couch. Um, but I find mm-hmm. it really fascinating now that, you know, companies are looking at different ways to provide the, an in-store experience that is entertaining. Uh, they, we are seeing uh, customers starting to do prototypes with uh, virtual reality. And so, you know, you walk in the store, uh, similar to what you talked about with the robot, but instead of with the robot, um, you might be given a, a pair of glasses that then, you know, will take them through the store with a, a personal shopper that talks to them. And as they go by beacons, you know, they'll also see, um, you know, there'll they'll be some gamification. So, you know, similar to... Um, to what they would experience, you know, playing, you know, games at home. And so you've got loyalty points that you're racking up, you know, as you're, you're snatching little animals off the shelf. Um, but <laughs> you're also learning about, you know, some of your, your favorite types of, uh, new products that might be out there based on your previous experience with another product. So it's, it's really interesting, you know, how brands are trying to, uh, to bring that gamification, entertainment experience, you know, into your everyday activities like shopping for laundry soap. And for through pajamas, you were saying sitting there shopping in your pajamas. I was going to say, did you buy your pajamas through online? I wanted to know. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, I, I, see, I had a feeling. I'm in the process of trying to get myself to buy what they call a meditation bowl for relaxation. I hear it's a little little uh, metal bowl. I, I think they're they're made around the world and sits on a little cushion and it has a little wooden looks like a mallet and you circle the inside of the outside of the bowl with a mallet and it makes up mm, and it's supposed to bring peace and relaxation to your brain and your heart and your breathing but I'm going to buy one of those online definitely so 
<laughs> and if they're really great, I'll send you one to go with your pajamas. So there we go. Thank you very much. Entertainment, interesting concept. Yes, we do want to be entertained, and maybe that's where the word delightful came from. But back in the day, Jennifer, people didn't think about entertaining their customers. They just wanted to get them in the door, show them what the merchandise was, tell them that the price was either good on its own or there was so much value that the price was worth it, make them put the money in the cash register and go home and tell their friends about it. That was really the goal. Now it's it's evolved. Andreas, what are your thoughts about the customer experience, including entertainment? What do you think? Um, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, and uh, I think there are amazing elements that you can use, but I think there's one thing that you need to be very careful about. Um, you don't do gamification that it's just like a game or that you just entertain. Because if the people who use it don't have a benefit or a value or you're not able to excite them, then, this, then it's probably a cool and gamification or a like solution, but there is no benefit. I think you need to be um, very cautious from my point of view that you use this terms and entertainment topic in a way that people get excited. Make an example. Just recently, um, I was looking at a kitchen. And, uh, you know, in the past, you looked at 3D models. And in this case, I could virtually walk through it. I was mm-hmm. thrilled about that. I said, wow, yeah. this is pretty cool. Uh, because it gave me something that I didn't have before. And uh, there are, I think you need to, from my point of view, look for these kind of things where um, VR or gamification or entertainment things finally bring a value for people and uh, with and get them or desire them to continue using it. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Uh, Maricel, let's get your point of view on this and then we're going to circle quickly back to Andreas because we are in the crystal ball predictions round of the show. But Maricel, what do you think about the idea of virtual reality, augmented reality, customer entertainment as part of what a brand needs to convey? Is that the future of customer experience? I think they're all um, very sexy technology, but I completely agree with Andreas. First, you need to understand um, your customer, what delights the customer before you use the, you know, or before you um, break out the, the technology um, um, aspect of it. And you know, so the technology must be there to support that experience. So I, I saw a very good example here at the Bubble World Congress where we're looking at a mobile um, retail app, and this was designed designed um, together with SAP and Apple, by the way, so it's really more towards, okay, how can we change that experience? And what I like about it is we use, of course, all the technology that's available from both SAP and Apple, but the technology is almost not perceived, uh, but it rather supports the experience. So just to give you an example, um, so as you pick up, um, in, in, in most retail stores, you have these big TVs and mostly, and, and most of the time those TVs just show, um, maybe some of the products in the store and, and it just repeats and it goes into a loop. So what, um, mm-hmm. this app now does is as you pick up, um, a box, um, of an, an item uh, from a shelf, it shows you that item on the, on TV, uh, on the TV and tells you more about that item and so on and so forth. 
And what's great about it is when you're ready to purchase that item, so you put it in your catalog, in your um, in your um, cart, for example, it tells you, hey, you've bought all of these things, uh, other things uh, from us, and this is how, uh, for example, if you're if, if you're buying uh, an umbrella, uh, maybe fi- um, get this color because it matches the cushion in your um, lounge uh, chairs at home, and and so these kinds of things, um, in my opinion, um, they're all supported by technology, but it supports that that um, unexpected experience from the user's point of view. Ah, unexpected experience. That, that's another concept we won't have time to explore, but I like that very much. Thank you, Maricel. Andreas, I can give you exactly 60 seconds. No less, no more. Use your time. Let's hear from you. Let's look at the year 2020. What will be different about this topic if we met again? I certainly hope we do designing the future of customer experience. What will that customer experience look like? Andreas Hauer, Hauser, go ahead. I think we we will all in 2020 use very exciting solutions. If you look at companies, the companies who will focus on customer experience will survive, and the companies who don't, they probably don't exist in 2020. And uh, coming back to what I started initially, if the technology does not provide meaningful value for the people that delight them, excite them, the product or technology is going to fail. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciated. Maricel Cabahug in Barcelona. Talk to me. What is your prediction for 2020 and the future of customer experience? Maricel. We talk a lot about the digital world and the digital transformation, um, but we sometimes forget about the experience in the digital world. Um, conversational UI, digital assistance will be the preferred UI of digital natives and the digital newbies. Um, enterprise software vendors must embrace this new UI to stay relevant and to increase their reach. They should consider conversational UI as an opportunity to make discoverable the rich functionality that no one could find before. So think SAP, um, thousands and thousands of, of, of uh, capabilities there can't find it, right? So um, now is a chance to um, surface that. Okay, thank you very much, Maricel and Jennifer Ford. I saved some time for you. Actually, they were so concise, Jennifer, that I can give you 90 seconds. How about that? You get a bonus. Go ahead, Jennifer. Those guys are too good to me. So um, I, I agree with uh, with everything that's been said. And in, in the perspective that I think um, technology it needs to delight. Um, if it doesn't delight, and, and delighting people in a lot of cases, you know, we talk about people's need to constantly uh, be learning. An experience really means this is something brand new or this is something that I've found delightful previously and I want to take it to the, to the next step. And that means companies that want to engage need to be able to figure out how to incorporate ways to share knowledge, provide people with glimpses into something that they've never seen before, as Andrea said, and that they find value in. So I think that, that more and more in the future, uh, it's going to be about what can I learn, what can I, what can I be a part of that I didn't even know that was there, and it's how can I get more and more of that so that I become a, a bigger part of the world community, and uh, I think that that's, that's going to be a theme that we see in 2020. 
Thank you very much. You know, we have, let's see, two minutes left. I need about 30 seconds to close. Um, I'm going to, I have a bonus question for the three of you. Just a quickie. Oh, one minute. Okay. One, one word answer from each of you. Andreas Hauser, it's 2020. You have created an app for your own brand, whatever you're selling, whatever you're doing. What will that app be called? What will the name, let's say it's a chatbot. What will your chatbot be called that will be your customer experience? Oh, good question. Oh, delight me. Delight. Okay. Maricel, what will your chatbot be called? For me. For me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jennifer Ford. Jennifer Ford, we already said uh, Jenny, but what would you like it? I gave you that name. What would you like it to be called, Jennifer? Jacques Cousteau. Oh, 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 oh. oh, I think we have a new topic here. I want to do a shout-out to Charlotte Bowie, your partner in crime here, Jennifer, who helped sponsor the show. I appreciate both of you. Andreas Hauser, SAP, Maricel Kabahug, SAP, both of you, and Jennifer, thank you for a great conversation. Shout-out to our engineer extraordinaire, Kevin. Yes, we had a lot of work getting everybody on the line, but we did it. Everybody sounded great. Thank you for your thought leadership, the three of you. Have a great day. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today and tune in here on the Business Channel, 2 p.m. Eastern. I'll be back with Changing the Game with HR, talking local, global, and what's the role of HR in globalization of your workforce. You don't want to miss this one. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Designing the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.